Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sport of Kings podcast. In this pod, we discuss the late pick five at Churchill Downs on Saturday, November 11th, 2023. This is show number 250, November 10th, 2023. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Sport of Kings, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, any thoughts a week after the Breeders' Cup? Well, it was a fun event. It's definitely worth attending live if you haven't gone before um also got to see a lot of people i hadn't seen in a while and meet some new folks so it was great my results weren't terrible but there were a couple of races that if they had been a a different jockey decision i might have had a really good weekend but that's the way that it rolls and it was very chalky on saturday so the bcbc scores are really high because so many of those guys like to just roll the chalk parlay it and they weren't getting stopped they were just kept rolling every race so the scores were pretty high and that's the kind of day i'm typically not going to have a good day um unfortunately because i'm usually not that's not the way i play but um you know we got to see some good performances and the weather was great and uh you know i'm looking forward to next year at del mar I really thought when White Abario came on top of Derma Sotogake in the exacta, I thought Chris might be leading this thing. Did you have any action on that exacta? Yeah, I made about $10,000 on that exacta, but I that was because I had run out of money because none of my other horses came in. Um, so unfortunately, uh, you know, the, the race that really was the, the decisive moment for me was the turf right before white barrio shariar who i had said was one of the you know top two value plays on the day for me uh, first one i was i had i i really unloaded on that horse and uh had big win bet big live double to white barrio and um i also had a big double to um clarier in the prior race that was dead because clarier didn't quite get the job done and Shariar looked like he was going to win she was or he was loaded on the turn and the jock kind of eased out and got stopped and, and when he eased out uh, August Rodon just slid right through where he was and won the race and he had to chase him home if he had just stayed on the rail that split second he would have won that race and I would have just been on fire but um it didn't happen that way and so I didn't have much money left uh and I wanted to save some to bet on Jasper Crone, my other horse I liked, who got off to a slow start and rushed up and got tired. So I couldn't bet as much on that the exact as I normally would have. Um, I, but, you know, at least I had some money to bet on Jasper Crone, which I proceeded to uh, lose in that race. So, um, But uh, it was Shariar was the, the big play for me that could have went the other way, I think, if the jockey had just been a patient just a tad longer and stayed on the rail 
and we have a special returning guest. He's an on-track analyst at Fairgrounds Racetrack. He's qualified for the NHC twice, having cashed in 2021. He's Kevin Kilroy. Kevin, welcome back. Scott, Chris, good to uh, be on. Thanks for thinking of me. We've got a nice little sequence to go over. Hopefully we can give out some winners and the winning ticket. I know you guys have been giving out good ones recently. Uh, Kevin, uh, you're, you're, are you in Kentucky right now? No. So I live in Kansas City um, when I'm not at fairgrounds, when I'm not working the meet down in New Orleans. So I'm sitting here in uh, the West Bottoms of Kansas City in my uh, little, little artist studio. And it's actually open studios this weekend. So everybody's getting ready to invite the crowds in to see their, see their stuff, see their paintings and all that sort of deal. And I'm just sitting here staring at horses, typical. All right. All right. Um, well, uh, I guess the reason I asked, since you were, were covering Churchill, I didn't know if you were working on Churchill, if you've been handicapping it, if there's anything that we should know regarding the current meet at Churchill. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've been, I've been paying attention to it pretty close. I always do. Um, it's been forward, you know, on the dirt track. You really don't need to be on the lead by any means, but uh, you do want to have um, a forward running style, you know, stock right off of it or press. Um, today it's been a little bit more so. They had some rain come through last night, uh, and they were off the turf there today. But just been seeing some some forward runs work out pretty well. Um, and you know, just the, the regular old stuff in terms of follow uh, follow T Gaff, right? Where's Where's Tyler Gaffleon? Or follow him and and, and bait him. You know, I think that's a, that's something probably we'll talk about here with this sequence for sure. All right. Chris, do you have any questions for Kevin before we get started? No, I'm ready to roll. Okay. Well, then let's get started. We're doing the pick five, the late pick five Saturday at Churchill, starting with the seventh race, which is an allowance, six furlongs on dirt, first of 127,000 for three-year-olds and up. And Kevin, as our guest, we'd love to have you get us started. All right. So we've... uh we got seven here. Um, you know, it does seem like the money is going to follow uh, Wesley Ward, Johnny V with that two um, Tunisian spring, but want to beat that one. I feel like the, the race flow really favored that last huge number. And, um, you know, I, coming out of the maiden ranks never bothers me I, if I can get value, but I don't think I'm going to get any value there. Um, there's some other speed signed on as well. Um, easy action. The number five is going to take some money to that Norm Cassie runner. But I think same sort of story, forward race flow for that last effort on September 22nd. So I want to try to beat um, those two. The one that I'm really interested in is the number seven, Zambezi, is Steve Asmussen runner. Um, this past three races has just uh, been against it in terms of track bias. Ellis Park, we all know the story over the summer. It was speed favoring most of the days. And that June 25th and July 30th effort, I've got it marked pretty heavy in terms of speed favoring. Um, and uh, coming from off the pace, just wasn't able to uh, to get it done, but still put in some good efforts, still ran in, in the stretch and, and was able to, to stay through it, which I think is important. And then, um, you know, at the end of the Kentucky Downs meet, it was just when they had the rails down, it was all it was all speed. And um, it, was, it was a tough little break there, started a little bit behind, slow pace to work with. So... Just running against the track bias the past few times, I want to see Zambezi uh, work with a little bit more of a fair track, uh, has this outside spot, and uh, I think we might get some value there. So that's, that's my top pick in race seven. 
Zambezi six to one and is three uh, four for four in the money at this distance. Chris, what are you thinking? Um, I kind of agree with everything Kevin said. The horse I like is the the three Underhills tab. Um, this horse started its career like it was a really good horse, and then, like a lot of times sprinters do, they get ouchy and um, horse something went wrong. It was on the bench for a while. Then it, <clears throat> excuse me, came back off a layoff and ran a big race, and then something went wrong. And it's been off a layoff, and it came back this time and ran just about what you hope he would run off the layoff. And uh, now second off the layoff for a new barn. Uh, I think he could run a big race, and he could get a nice stock and pounds trip, and he gets Louis Saez in the, in the saddle. Um, and he should be a price, so... Uh, kind of, this is a, this is a pretty good golden pattern horse in Underhill's tab. All right. Well, <clears throat> I have your two top horses in the top two spots. I did go with Underhill's tab also on top. He's always been fast. Now goes second off a layoff. He's a big price on the morning line. I, I don't, I don't think he'll be that high, but, um, at least, you know, he's starting at 12 to one. So it'll be a halfway decent price. So uh, I think he's got to be used. And then Zambezi threw in an off race on the turf. Could run well coming back to dirt. Uh, even better explanation for his non-winning efforts on the dirt at Ellis from Kevin. I'm not sure. You know, <clears throat> I, I'm probably not playing the pick five. But if I was, I'd have a hard time not using Tunisian Spring does seem to have a bit of a speed advantage, could wire this bunch. But at the same time, that was a monster effort in his last race, and he could react to it. Yeah, what I'm jump from a 10 to a 2, and you know, and in terms of thoroughbreds, and um, don't think we'll go forward from there, right? But still, I mean, I think, you know, around a 3 or something like that probably is going to win this. So it just depends on how big that bounce is or how much, uh, how much he needs that track. There's a couple like that in the sequence where I mean, it's the value's not there, but it's it's uh, I could definitely I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, they romped. Uh, I know Chris isn't feeling that great, so he's talking a little less today. Um, so I uh, I'm going to assume that you have nothing else to add, Chris. Yeah, I'm I'm good. I, I, yeah. I don't I I agree with everything you guys have said about the other horses. I really don't have anything to add. Okay, well then we'll move to the eighth race, which is uh, some of the slowest fillies we've encountered on this podcast. It's uh, a mile and sixteenth on dirt, purse of one hundred twenty thousand for two year old fillies, made in special weight. And Chris, why don't you get us started? Yeah, this race is impossible. And <laughs> Churchill did, did us the favor of, of splitting it into two races. So we get another race just like it at the end. Um, so, you know, this is going to make the pick five pretty tricky if you're going to play it. Um, I always like second time starters. So of that group, and there's plenty of those in here, I like the floor Cheyenne Moon the best. That horse overcame a, a tough trip. Uh, and finished up strong, galloped out well. Looks like a horse that's bred to handle the longer distance. Comes from a, a low-profile barn, so I don't think it's going to attract a lot of money. And um, 
there's no reason why it couldn't win this race. So 15 to one on the morning line, it's really hard to tell what price these horses are going off at because they're so lightly raced, but I'm going to go with the four Cheyenne moon is the play, but uh, you can make a case for quite a few of them in here. Okay. Cheyenne moon. Uh, one, the one negative is that this trainer has never hit going sprint to route, but if he hits one more, if he hits this one, he'll still have a bad record, but he will have hit with a 15 to one. Kevin, what do you got? Yeah. I mean, I agree. There's so many different ways that you can go in here, right? Um, it's definitely, you know, we, we can look at the, the probables with the daily double as we're, we're putting our tickets together or sort of finalizing them to get a sense of, you know, where the betters are going in here because there's so many different ways they could go. Um, I mean, we've got the, the Kim McPeak duo in here, extremely gruntled, and Sestina Chapel. Um, Sestina Chapel's at nine to five, morning line favorites. And usually with, with McPeak, you can kind of just follow Brian Hernandez Jr., right? It's, it tends to be his top rider. And we can see that Hernandez is getting off of Sestina Chapel and going to extremely gruntled. And that makes me a little bit more intrigued with, with the five, even though we've seen some really good efforts from Sestina Chapel, just hasn't been able to uh, um, get it done, switching over to the dirt. Um, so if it looked like the price on Sestina Chapel wasn't uh, too short, um, I might, you know, I, I might use that one because I am inclined to spread in here um, or, or just single there and, and find value elsewhere. But, you know, in terms of my top pick, in terms of looking for value, she's a rodeo queen, does seem to have the number two, um, a, a big pace advantage. I think we're going to be to the front. Um, that last race, I've got it marked as really having a closers race flow. Um, as soon as we got headed um, after being pressed, you know, pretty severely, even though they slowed up through that second quarter, uh, but it took a lot of pressure there, uh, just faded. I don't think we're going to have that same sort of setup. Um, we're going to see some of those other fillies, like you were saying, split into two fields um, later on with uh, Carrera and Genetics, which I think are some, some, some good fillies. So I think she's a rodeo queen is one we've got to take seriously. And um, this number one in here intrigues me, Queen Lexi as well. Um, I've seen some good efforts, some good little spurts of running, um, though not the race hasn't been fully put together yet for Queen Lexi. But the figures aren't too far off, and um, we are going from the sprint to route, which you know isn't a huge angle for for Tom Short, but he's not one who who always finds himself in the winner's circle. So um, we've got the rail. Morales knows how to put a good um, ground saving trip together. Queen Lexi could be interested in here. Um, I could go on and on about this field. There's so many different ways to go, but that one and two, I think we might be able to get some value. Okay, uh, <clears throat> very interesting, Queen Lexi. I'm actually with you on she's a rodeo queen, has speed in a race lacking speed, almost held on to win two races ago, and now faces a very slow field. Um, <clears throat> the other horse I'm interested in is Montclair Road, second out, uh, second out sprint to route. Al Stahl is four for 20 with his move with two-year-olds and has a 296 ROI, and she has good spacing going into that race. So so I would use at least those two, and maybe Cheyenne Moon. I, wanna, I, wanna, I do want to watch the replay of Cheyenne Moon, um, because at 15-1, to 1, that horse certainly fits here, and um, it would be uh, a pity not to have it in the pick five. Yeah, my notes for, for Cheyenne Moon definitely – lost uh, three lengths right off the bat and uh, got in pretty tight there, which is always tough for that first run, especially the two-year-old. So 
a little bit of excuse, you know, not a, not a big, but a subtle little uh, excuse to, for like a mild upgrade for me there. So I definitely want to use that one too. Yeah. Any other thoughts, Chris? Um, the other horse I liked is the one you mentioned, Montclair Road, another one making it second start. But I mean, nothing would be a surprise. You just don't know how good any of these horses are or how bad they are. So it's a tough race. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, who, who, there was one other horse that I was sort of. Um, I'm mixing it up with the, the the last race, which is also main race, uh, the other um, part of this race. So we'll go to the ninth race. It is an allowance optional claimer, a mile and an eighth on dirt, purse of 134000 for three-year-olds and up. Kevin, what are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, this is the one where uh, you either take magic tap, right, or uh, or you fade. So, you know, if I'm going to use a Sistine Chapel in that previous race, that would be a single for me, and then I would try to beat magic tap in here. And there's two runners that I think that could possibly be sneaky and get it done. Uh, the one I like the best is the number nine, Command Performance. Uh, that's a horse that I was able to, to use in that last race and get some good value on their first mission. Um, have just seen uh, uh, some good runs against biases there on September 9th. Um, have seen some, some good form that I think is reestablished with that last effort there. Third start for, for Joe Sharp is, is a high angle. Science is getting the board. They team up pretty well. Um, you know, they're going slow at, at the beginning of that, uh, that first mission win there, October 14th. And coming from the back, I think that made closing a little bit tougher um you know a couple other foes from that race are in here cook creek and uh with the roman centurion it's hard to get over magic tap but i do think that command performance could be a little bit sneaky in here and could step forward from that last race after reestablishing that form that we saw in 2021 you know running the uh, breeders cup juvenile there's that back class in there so i think command performance is interesting um, I also think the number five in here, Roman Centurion. I thought we might see a good effort last time and weren't able to get it done. Another one who's coming from from behind, and I'm not sure if that really suits the way the track's been playing, so that does make me give pause to, to really wanting to use that one um, on the win end, but definitely maybe some underneath value there, uh, but possibly could uh, could pop for Sarah Hamilton. Definitely um, hasn't doesn't have that same back, back class as Command Performance, which gets me leaning towards uh, the number nine a little bit more. Okay, command performance, uh, 35 to 1 in that last race and ran against a speed uh, uh, a, a speed bias track and uh, just missed. Chris, what are you thinking? Well, this race is almost exactly like a race we had um, on the pod where first mission won and, you know, Roman Centurion and command performance at Cook Creek and Trade Minister were all in that race. First mission looked like a standout. He had some trouble, but he got the job done. Um, now these same horses are in against another horse that looks like about like first mission and magic tap. Um, you know, I, I just singled first mission in that one. That's what I'd probably do here. Um, this horse is, gets weight off. He's a three-year-old. He's fast. He's got a tactical advantage. He's got a good rider. He's got a good trainer. I mean, this is the kind of favorite I'm not excited about trying to beat. Um, I don't see a lot of upside in any, in any of the other horses. 
So this is the one where I can eat chalk in the pick five if I play it, and I would just single magic tap. Um, I, I think there's a couple might maybe have a chance if magic tap doesn't run, but I think he's a pretty strong favorite. Okay, I uh, I kind of refused to go with Magic Tap at that low price. His best race is it's a it's it's about the same as Cook Creek's best price, best race. Cook Creek does carry a little bit more weight and has a little bit worse of a post position, but I am going to go with Cook Creek. Second off a layoff, has some fast back numbers to go back to. And um, was also in the same race as Command Performance, just lost by a nose to that one. And hopefully his price will be a little bit better in Command Performance. I do also want to use Command Performance. And um, I'm not sure, well, this is probably one of the reasons why I won't even play this pick five is because of Magic Tap, because <clears throat> he does look pretty tough and he does get that weight break. Yeah, Cook Creek intrigued me for a little bit, and then I just, I just ended up crossing him out, just seeing the over five at the distance. Um, definitely, he's been, you know, running strong races, but not getting the win, and you know, and getting in the money, you know, four out of six um, this year in the money. Second off the layoff, though, he could, he could kind of put it all together. Johnny V, new rider, all that sort of stuff. I guess he's been on him before, but back in the day. Um, yeah, he, he's kind of interesting, right? He's got the back class there, but the distance is what sort of uh, maybe pause with him. Yeah, what to do with Magic Tap? I mean, I think he's he's the one that, yeah, you either just build your ticket around and find value elsewhere, or you're like, all right, this could be a really good score with the sort of chaos that we were seeing in that, that race before. And if we can beat Magic Tap in here, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big upside, right? Um, it's a big, it's a big if though. I mean, he's, he's, he's a nice horse. He's really impressed me, you know, a few times that he's run. Well, it's, it's funny that you, uh, you point out, which I did not notice Cook Creek was 0 for 5 at the distance. Um, your pick command performance is also 0 for 3 at the distance, never in the money. So, so, uh, so we both are, uh, sort of, we got goose egg horses in this race. Yeah, we and, do. Yeah, um, we do. Magic Tap has already proven it once at the distance. Are, are we just? Yeah, for I me, mean, yeah. Go ahead, Chris. I'll just say for me the 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 second horse out of this race. I don't think you guys have mentioned it. Is is a ten to me? It's kind of the obvious one. Um, I think he ran the best race of all of them last time. He just was so wide. He kind of hung at the end, and he was parked out there for the both turns. So, to me, uh, he could get another wide trip in here. But um, uh, I think he's the second best horse. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a great price, but and I think Magic Tap's very likely to beat him. But if the re I think he's the best of the rest. Yeah, he scares me too. He, he does. He's, he's he's shown some run. He's, he's he's been good. He's got success over the track, right? Um, and uh, Brian knows how to ride here for sure. That bullet workout recently too, and yet another one that we're looking at over five at the distance um <laughs> uh it might just be magic taps day but it's the opportunity right it just depends on how big the ticket would get to uh to try to beat magic tap well mr big news is um another horse that has a win at the distance and so is the one horse tiwanaku so three horses out of these 10 have actually won at the distance 
Yeah, and that last race uh, by the one um, was a tough start. He, he kind of just hopped out of the gate and, uh, and lost a, b- a bunch of lengths. And usually he's forward, so you can just toss that one out. And, you know, Amos is, is, uh, can be really sneaky um, in terms of just one that you might not see coming on the paper. But uh, you'll, you'll be able to tell. It'll be too late for the pick five, but you'll be able to tell when they start getting bet because, uh, you know, Tom's not afraid to uh, to tout his horse if they're, they're going to run well to, you know, to people who are listening. Well, the interesting thing about Tiwanaku is that his dam is Daisy Devine, who was a turf maniac, seven for 12 on the turf, a multiple stakes winner, and, um, and, and even a grade one stakes winner on the turf at, uh, at, uh, at Keeneland. In fact, <clears throat> I remember Tom Amos, the trainer, uh, he, in one of these races on TVG, he singled Daisy Devine when she was a price. I think it might have been that particular race when she was seven to one and, uh, and, and she scored. So, so anyway, just, a, a an interesting side note on, on that horse. Okay. Let's go to the 10th race. It is a quality stakes race. It's the river city stakes grade three. Mile and eighth on turf, purse of 300,000 for three-year-olds and up. Chris, where are you on this race? Well, um, it's a pretty wide-open race. I do think Chellis is probably the most likely winner. Um, I think he may go off as a favorite. Um, but at that price, I'm not going to play him to win, but definitely respect his chances. But I'm going to go with the five-horse Kiddo Dan who doesn't win very often, but every once in a while runs a big race at a big price. Um, he's won before at, I think, about 20 to 1, and then he won another time at like 40 to 1. And I think he's kind of rounding into form. You know, I always forgive races at Kentucky Downs, especially going a mile and a half, um, which I don't think is his real distance, but he. They've been trying him at a mile and a half his last two races. Now they cut back to a mile and eighth. Um, you know, he's won at this distance on this turf course at uh, 40 to one. And I think he might pull it off again at a big price. So in a wide open race, I'm going to go with a, a horse that's won this kind of race at a big price before and hope he can do it again in the five Kittadan. All right. I like it. One for one at the distance. And one for two at the track. Kevin, where are you on this race? Yeah, this is another similar race where um, it's just a lot of interesting ways that you could go. A lot of these horses that I could talk myself into. I mean, all those outside horses from from nine on out to uh, to twelve, I can make a case for. Um, outside post positions have been doing well, and off the pace has been doing well. And you know, it's only been a couple weeks for the meet so far. So I do like the number three red run. Um, that was a really big effort there. It wasn't against quite as a uh, classy of company on September 14th, but it was at this distance and it just really suited him. He, he you know, he fended off uh, Yamato, his stable mate, who was uh, the favorite that day and, you know, took down Yamato English Tavern, who, you know, proved their form uh, going on to win the next ones. Um, I just, I think mile and a half last time was too long. I think he ran really well. He was in a great position to get it done. Um, he seems to really have his, his, his mind in the race. And uh, these gun runners uh, definitely keep on improving as, as they go along. Um, you know, it gives me a little pause thinking, oh, you know, T-Gap would 
popped back on after he was on that winning race on September 14th, but it makes sense that Santana keeps this ride. It also makes sense that uh, uh, Tyler would take uh, take the uh, the mount with Chad Brown with Rock Emperor, who's uh, who's one I just can't really trust, you know, um, to get it done. But he definitely does have have the class, which can prove to be a, a good angle on the turf, right? Just to sort of have that little angle in terms of uh, facing tougher ones. So um, I do like uh, this grinder red run. I think he does uh, produce some good efforts in the stretch and, and, and it's going to be live and, uh, and should be a price. All right. Well, I am with you on red run. He has a win of the distance two back. He cuts back from that mile and a half. He's great value at that 12 to one. And um, as a typical mic maker acquisition, is getting better as he as he as he goes for for that trainer, and uh, he's a four-year-old. He uh, he has a good post position. Uh, this is projected to have a fast pace, and he's a closer. And um, I forget the name of the horse, but I love having Steve Asmussen, and uh, oh no 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 I'm sorry, <laughs> Mike Maker, and Raphael uh, Ricardo Santana teaming up on a price turf horse. Um, they won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf with a horse. I forget that the horse's name first something, I think. Um, and they won it at like 17 to 1. So so uh, I think it's a good combo. I think everything everything's happening, and this is sort of my play of the day. It's the horse I like the most, Red Run. Yeah, I can see the case. Oh, go ahead, Chris. I, I can see the case for the three. I, I, he he should get a good trip, and he, he fits. Go what ahead, about Kevin. The, the horses coming out of uh, the uh, the turf mile at Keeneland, you know, up to the mark, master of the seas, set piece. That was that was a really classy field. You know, saw the success on the, in the Breeders' Cup um, with those top two. So stitched is interesting, you know. I think has tactical options. Um, did go to the front there at uh, at Kentucky Downs um, and couldn't quite hold off Ancient Rome, but um, he's been a little bit of a of a tricky one to figure out. I know um, the Foley's have, have really thought very highly of him uh, for a long time, and you know in the morning he's just really been showing his his talent. Um, he didn't put it together until that wise Dan um, where he beat uh, get smoking a set piece, but. Um, he could be interesting. His forward style, though, he might kind of get cooked. It does seem like there's a lot of pace in here. Um, and, and same goes for, uh, forget smoking too, or sorry, smoking tea. Um, so, th but those are interesting. I think that's a, that's a, a race to sort of think about, you know, in terms of just having such a quality field and that, uh, that last one with, uh, up to the mark and, uh, um, uh, master of the season there. You know, there's a lot of ways to go in here. You know, what do you think, Scott, with, with a horse like Red Run? My, my sort of uh, bold inclination was I, I like this horse enough and um, I don't want to get caught into to using all these horses or too many of them that I might just, just single there, um, get some equity in the ticket by by just using that one and building around them. I think it, if I'm going to play the pick five, which I, I don't know if I will, but if I do, I would single Red Run. Um, the other horses, I mean, there are definitely horses that have a shot. But you're getting double-digit odds, and um, you know if you're going to have to use some chalk in other legs, then um, don't spread in this race and just try to nail it. That's that's that would be my approach on this one. 
Makes sense to me. Okay, we'll move to the last race. It is the second half of the maiden special weight, mile and 16th on dirt, purse of 120,000 for two-year-old fillies. Kevin, what do you got on this one? Yeah, it's, you know, this is this is a tricky sequence. There's there's just so many of these races where uh, we're just, we're figuring out these horses and trying to see which form we can trust. Um, I do really, uh, genetics is one that I had, you know, pop up in my in my stable because that was a a classic uh uh <laughs> ride by rosario in a negative way right got got rosarioed um really just uh throughout was just sort of uh, tugging back on him you know was able to save ground on it but i was getting in tight sort of letting too loose and then pulling back and uh just you know pumping the brakes as, as rosario could, could sometimes do and and he had some run coming out of the turn and just uh just had a wall in front of him and had a check and uh wasn't able to get it done. Um, so I do like genetics, you know, in terms of uh, pedigrees, full to Arthur's Ride, who was um, nominated for the Triple Crown last year, was looking to be a good horse, but I'm not sure what happened. They just sort of went out of training after uh, putting some big figures together. So I do think the distance works. I don't think that's a problem. Um, and it, it's one of those horses that, it, you know, I, I do like, and I do think he, he will be, you know, if not the favorite, then uh, second choice. And um, he might be one that I just single in here um, and spread a little bit more in a couple of the other legs. Uh, there's other ones I can definitely make a case for, though. It's a, another interesting race, but genetics is the one that I'm going to put on top. Okay, genetics. Um, low price, seven to two, but has a shot. Um, and just one hesitation, only hesitation would be that nine hole. Um, horses doing from post eight on out are not doing well at Churchill Downs on um, in route races. Chris, what do you got? Well, the interesting thing about this race is they split that this race out with the other race we talked about earlier. Um, but in this race, there's four or five horses that would be a favorite in the other race. This came out a lot stronger, much stronger than the other one. Um, uh, to me, you know, Loveland is clearly the one to beat in here. She's not going to be a price or anything, but, you know, she's, her debut was really good. And um, there's no reason to think she couldn't stretch out and she's on the rail. But, you know, the price is the problem there. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to do what I did in the other leg and then I, I'm looking for a horse making its second start and stretching out that I think could improve with distance. And that horse for me is uh, the seven horse class act who's by street sense out of an affiliate Alex mirror. So that just screams two turns. It had a good prep, which I think is all it was the la at that first start. Got away slow, made a nice move, galloped out strong. Just what you want to see in a horse that's getting prepped to go longer. And now they stretch him out. Luis Saez gets on board. I think his horse is going to run a really big race. And, um, I, I'm afraid you won't get eight to one, um, but I don't think it will be the favorite. I do think one will take a lot of money. The Cox horse, too, will, will take money. Um, even the three, uh, or the, the horse genetics, the horse that um, Kevin mentioned should take money. So I think Class Act isn't going to be like the favorite or anything, and I do think it should run a big race. I wouldn't bet it to win, probably, but if I was playing the pick five, I might 
lean heavily on that one. Although with two maiden races in this sequence, I probably will not be playing the pick five. Yeah, I mean, I I don't get how they they put a Pletcher horse at eight to one. It just seems kind of nuts. Uh, the horse is going to go much lower than that, I think. Um, <clears throat> anyway, I'm going with the price in this race. I'm 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 landing on America's Vow. Uh, the horse's second time, two turns, ran well, two back, sprinting, and then it, it's just not a surprise that she reacted on relatively short rest, going two turns. It's a very common thing for horses to uh, react going two turns the first time and then improve the next time out. And she's 21 morning line. So she'd be my top pick. I'm also interested in Loveland. Uh, second start, sprinter route. The trainer hits with this uh, angle at, with two year olds three out of 10 times with a 289 ROI. She gets the rail, she stretches. Um, she was she chased a wire to wire winner but stayed in second the whole way. I can see her getting the perfect trip there from the rail. Anything else, Kevin? Yeah, I mean Loveland was one that uh, I mean ran a ten um, there on debut with Thoroughbred, which is definitely uh, a number to, to you know improves on. I think it would it could win. I kind of talked myself out of uh, out of her just looking at the the pedigree. I mean. Money, they, they win, they do well, you know, but uh, the sprint is a little bit better. And then Pleasant Drive, we don't have too many siblings there. We just have that T-Max who just seemed to, to have success as a two-year-old, yes. So I think the Bercasi is there, but more sprinting. We never really saw it kind of come to fruition uh, going along in the same way, in the same sort of form. So it just made me think, ah, I'm not sure if I want to, uh, to trust this one to go along. Of course, they've got to try going long um, with the purchase price and with uh, with that strong first effort. But um, forward rates low, was able to just sort of go one pace um, last time. And um, I do think uh, we'll, we'll be up there with genetics in terms of taking a good amount of the money in here. But, uh, yeah, the morning lines do seem a little bit crazy throughout to get a good sense, which can be a nice thing, you know, in terms of uh, trying to, uh, to outsmart, um, you know, the other betters who might sort of lean a little bit too much on, on – on the, on these morning lines and, uh, um, trust them a little bit too much. You know, I think there might be a, a whole different sort of, uh, betting menu, uh, when it comes down to, to post time than what we're seeing from these odds. All right. Yeah, I, I did. There's one other horse I just wanted to mention that you, I don't think you guys have mentioned that I liked besides class act. And that was the nine horse, um, uh happy talk it's a wayne lucas horse it's another one that uh, makes its second start off a pretty good debut where it it kind of got away slow and was parked wide and finished made a little bit of move in there and it's lucas who doesn't win very often first out and it's by arrowgate so you would think could stretch out so that's the other kind other horse that i'd be interested in here and he, you know, he's 12 to 1 morning line. You might get that or more in here. So happy talk would be the other one for me. Yeah, he's a, he's a half to, uh, to Lauban. Yeah, it's been a bit since we saw him, right? But uh, um, that's an interesting pedigree for sure. All right. Um, this is a real tight pod this, this week. 
We can thank Chris's uh, feeling under the weather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, any uh, any other plays, spot plays on the card from either of you gentlemen? Kevin, looking at uh, uh, race four, um, another stake race on the card. Uh, we've got Wicked Halo in there, uh, who just uh, you know flattered by Uguri's big run in the Breeders' Cup, but um, makes me sort of pause. That uh, that's one that I want to uh, want to trust um, on the rail there. Number one, you're so silly. Um, has really been, been showing some good efforts. The figures aren't quite the same, but has some speed and um, could just be uh, live out of the gate. So um, I thought we had a tough trip last time. Could have could have gotten the win after uh, um, having just a little bit of tough time. Who was it behind there? Um, uh, Olga Isabel. So I think that one could be interesting to value. You're so silly at the one there in the uh, Dream Supreme. Okay, yeah, I look forward to seeing that race. And uh, Yugiri ran really well. I used her in my pick five but uh, on Breeders' Cup Day, but um, she didn't quite get there. Um, I have a spot play, but it's um, at Aqueduct, um, the ninth race. They have a turf stakes race, the Red Smith, um, going a mile and three-eighths. And I really like a horse named Marwad, the seven horse. Uh, we had this horse, we covered a race he was in down in Gulfstream. In that race, I didn't like him that much because I thought he was just a little inexperienced and not quite good enough at that point in his career. But I said that this is a horse I'd be very interested in going forward at some point. And uh, he went on a long layoff and he had a nice prep on the synth. And, um, now they run him in this aggressive spot, and I think he's going to run a big race. He's 10 to 1 in the morning line, and, you know, this is exactly the kind of spot I was hoping I'd get the, a chance to, to play him in, and uh, I think he's a really good bet, uh, better than any of the plays on the Churchill card, I think. The seven-horse Marwad in the ninth race at Aqueduct, the Red Smith Stakes. Okay, great. Great to have a couple of spot plays from you guys. I'd like to thank our guest, Kevin Kilroy. Kevin, thanks for taking the time to hang with us. Yeah, you bet, guys. I'll be uh, heading down to fairgrounds. We're drawing opening day card here uh, today and uh, got uh, a nice little winner ahead of us. So um, any of those big weekends uh, um, draw your all attention, let me know, and I'm happy to pop on and, uh, and give you some, some scoop from the backside down there. Really looking forward to that, Kevin, because you gave us some really good – Scuttlebutt uh, from the backside uh, last time you were on. And that will conclude show number 250 of the Sport of Kings pod. Good luck at Churchill Downs and wherever else you play. And please enjoy the Brooklyn Boogaloo Blowout. I'll see you on Sport of Kings. Cheers. Giddy up. <laughs> <laughs>